Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. We're so glad you guys are here to worship with us, to be with us this lovely Sunday morning. It's supposed to be 70 today, I think, so that's awesome. Would you guys stand with us as we begin to sing?
morning. My name is Ian. I'm the youth and family pastor here today. Um, we're excited that you're here with us. Thank you for joining us, whether you're here or online, wherever you are. Thank you for being here. If you are new or you have uh, something that you would like to let the church office know, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you. You can put prayer requests or um, just if you want your uh, the church to reach out to you, um, please fill out a connection card and put it in the back. Um, so this morning, Pastor Tim is sick, so if you open your uh, bulletin, we're not doing this. We're doing something else. So, so just fair warning right away with that. So um, on the back of your bulletin, though, you will notice some announcements. Uh, first of all, there is a board in the back that is black that says scholarships on top. This is a board to help raise funds for camp scholarships for kids that are going from our church and community to uh, Honey Rock. Um, so you can take an envelope, put money in it, bring it back, and um, you can either give it to me or put it in the offering, the boxes on the wall where offerings can go. Um, the due date on that is May 21st. Um, this week is a big week for Family Ministries. We have our Fun Club Carnival, which is going to be great. We are looking for... Um, volunteers for that. So if you can help, please contact Anna Epler. You can see her phone number in there. Um, it's going to be a great week. I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm told that I have to monitor the bounce house, which I'm never super happy with, but it's going to be good. Um, we have a rummage sale coming up at the end of May. If you have items for that, um, they can be dropped off at the end of May. Um, otherwise, you can reach out to Melissa Warner. Um, also, if you'd like to help out, there are multiple ways you can do that, including um, donating some kind of chocolate chip cookies or something like that. You can talk to Lisa Miller for that, and her number is there. And finally this week, Golden Ones Pizza and Movie Night. Um, so if you are 55 and over, that is happening uh, on the 16th at 5. If you are have questions or whatever, you can call the church office, and that number is in there. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here together today. As we just sang, Lord, we ask that you would help build our church. Lots of us like to call this our church, uh, but we all know that this is your church. And we thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would lead us in worship well today, help us to uh, just lean into your spirit, lean into your calling, and worship honestly, not trying to hide who we are, not trying to hide the, the things that we're ashamed of or the things that we've done wrong, but rather come to you knowing full well who we are and what we've done and knowing full well who you are and what you have done for us. And we thank you for that. We thank you that it is spring, finally. We thank you that it is, well, not necessarily sunny currently, but uh, that it is warm out, Lord. And we thank you for the promise of new life that spring brings, just as you, Lord, bring life. We ask that you bless us this day, bless our church, and help us to worship you well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we continue to sing. Thank you. 
Jesus, we thank you for what you did at the cross. That your love ran down for us, Lord. I ask that you never let us forget that. We do stand in awe of you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated.
So as I said, Pastor Tim isn't feeling well today, so uh, you get me. Um, so if you open your bulletin, you'll see on one side Hebrews and on the other side something about Sabbath. Um, we're not talking about the Sabbath today, but if you do want to fall asleep during my sermon, it's, it's really okay. You need that rest. So, all right. In April of 2011, Armenia lost internet for five hours. Now, usually when that headline is, that is usually followed by something that says, like, someone carried out some kind of cyber attack or some hacker activist group did something crazy. But instead, the culprit was the, well, what the local media dubbed the Spade Hacker, a 75-year-old woman out looking for scraps, so she was looking for copper, found a fiber optic cable running from Georgia to Armenia, opened up the line and took whatever metal she could get. And so Armenia did not have power for five hours. So 2.3 million people, because some 75-year-old woman decided she needed some copper. Now, she did get arrested, but was released because of her age. So if you guys are worried about that, she is still at large. But um, many times we look at dark times and we think the worst could happen. Like in Georgia, thinking that maybe the Russians were attacking or someone else, but instead it was something that was innocent and small. Today we're talking, walking through a passage where it seemed like everything was very, very dark, um, but then Jesus showed up. So we are going to be in John 11. We're going to be going through a large chunk of scripture. It will be on the screen, but I do encourage you to um, open up your Bibles. Uh, John 11, we're going to start in verse 1. And as we go through, we'll kind of stop and talk through some stuff as we go. So, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So here's the setup. Jesus is away. He's not in Judea. And the, in the town of Bethany, there are three people. There's Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. So Bethany is a small town. It's outside of Jerusalem. It's to the east, about two miles. Um, you can go to what is supposedly the ruins of Bethany today. They're not really sure whether it is or not exactly, but you can go there. It's kind of a cool place. It's, um, it's all built out of basalt rock. It's all black. So when you walk through the town, there's just empty buildings of this black rock. It's kind of a, a spooky place, but it's, it's cool. So um, Mary and Martha, they send a message to Jesus, and they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And for reference, there is, previous to this, there's not really too much that we know about Mary, Martha, or Lazarus, besides that Jesus had some kind of relationship with them and knew them, and so they send this message. In verse 4, we'll continue. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus frames what is happening. He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, but instead with the glory of God on display through it. So staying two more days, he then moves on. Now notice how this is intentional. Um, Jesus makes sure that he's going to get there when he wants to get there. Then he confirms that he is going to into Judea. And that's significant, and we will talk about that in a second. Verse 8, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So the disciples aren't super excited about going to Judea. And the reason that they're not is if you look back in chapter 10, Jesus has a confrontation with the Jews. So there's this festival um, of dedication in Jerusalem during the winter. And Jesus is on the temple court. He's walking in Solomon's colonnade. And the Jews ask him some questions, and they're saying, like, hey, if you are the Messiah, tell us you're the Messiah. Tell us you are the Christ, the one who has come to save us. And Jesus kind of gives some cryptic answers. But in verse 30, he ends his cryptic answer with, I and the Father are one, which immediately, it's just, that's it. That's the fuse. So the Jews, it says in verse 31, picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown many good works in the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they answer, we're not trying to stone you for what you've done because you've done good things. We're going to stone you because you're saying that you're God. And it says that they try and grab him, but instead he slips away and he goes back up into Galilee. So now his disciples are like, hey, do you remember the last time you were in Judea? Do you remember what happened? They tried to kill you. You're going to go back? This seems like a great idea, Jesus. Let's do this. Yeah, no, not a great idea. We shouldn't do this. But Jesus gives this really confusing answer, which the NIV does a pretty good job translating it so we can understand it, but other translations don't do as good of a job. But um, he says in in verse 9, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Um, That phrase by this world's light. Um, Others translate it, um, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world, which you can cross-reference that to chapter 8, verse 12, where it says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what Jesus is saying is, "It's, it's not yet time for night to come. It's not my time to die yet. If I go into Judea, these guys aren't going to stone me because because I'm God, I know what's going on, all right? 
So Jesus answers, uh, well, and then you have this whole thing with asleep. So the disciples are confused by the asleep. Why is Jesus saying that he's asleep? If he's asleep, he should be because he's sick. If you're asleep, you should be sleeping, right? Um, and Jesus answered, no, 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 he's not asleep. He's dead. But his death will not die. He's not going to die in vain. He's going to die. Uh, or his death will be for a purpose. Let's continue in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha uh, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they died. And whoever lives uh, by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So Jesus shows up. He gets close to the village. Martha hears that he's close. He comes out to her, and the first thing that she asks is, Jesus, well, it's not really a question, but there's an implied question. Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet I know now that God would listen to you if he asked for it. And Jesus answers, your brother will rise again. Her answer is like, yeah, I, I know that. Everyone believes that the resurrection, he's going to rise again. Not crazy, Jesus. I know what's going to happen. But Jesus answers like, no, no. Um, do you believe who I say I am? Do you believe that I am the Messiah? And she says, yes. Um, but still her answer is, well, she's a little skeptical, right? Verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So remember that. We've heard it twice. Remember that. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, she was, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But the, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So Mary again sees Jesus, and that question, that implied question, that comes in a statement, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, comes up again. And along with her comes her entourage of mourners, Jews that are there to help mourn the death of uh, Lazarus. 
And it says that Jesus was troubled and asked, where have you put him? Do you guys think that Jesus knew where Lazarus was? I think absolutely he knew where he was. And then you have the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. We're going to talk about that later. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So Jesus says, remove the stone. Martha says, Jesus, he's going to stink. Didn't you just say that whatever you ask of God will happen? Weren't you the one that was saying, Martha, that uh, Jesus is the Messiah? But instead of believing that, she's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Jesus, it's going to stink. Okay, Martha. Jesus reprimands her in verse 40 and says, You will see the glory of God today if you believe. The stone is removed and Jesus prays. That prayer, simple, small, little, reminiscent of another, another prayer that we find in 1 Kings. Elijah standing on Mount Carmel. He prays a simple prayer and what happens? Fire falls from heaven and burns up an altar. Jesus removes, and once the stone is removed, Jesus commands Lazarus to come out, and he comes out. Now, this is a pretty amazing miracle, right? Pretty crazy. Dead man comes out. And the Jews have an interesting mixed answer, if you'll continue with me, 45 and 46. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. If you continue on after 46, you find that the Jews are really split. Many of the Jews, especially the ones in power, the Pharisees, this is kind of the turning point for them, saying, you know what, Jesus isn't just a challenge that we have to face, but rather an obstacle that we have to remove. So directly after this, there's a meeting with Sanhedrin and the high priest make some statements that pretty much say it's, it's time that we start thinking about how to kill Jesus. So this passage is the seventh of seven miracles that John records. Okay? The first one being the uh, water to wine at Cana, and then it follows on to other ones, blind men being healed, um, feeding the 5,000, and some other different things. But this is the final one. But each one points to Jesus, kind of who he is and what he does. So this one really is the crescendo, the final one. So Jesus, Jesus answers the question who he is. First of all, as Jesus is the Messiah. Notice that he knows his purpose behind his death, right? 
Jesus says, I'm going to not be stoned in Judea. I have a different appointment with a cross at a later time. He calls himself the resurrection of the life. He knows that he is there to defeat death, to defeat sin, and open us to a new and better tomorrow through Jesus. Jesus is also God. Notice his power and sovereignty on display. I mean, he literally raises a dead guy from the grave. Crazy. Um, I think that speaks for himself. Jesus' sovereignty, also knowing the hour exactly when he is going to die. And finally, Jesus is human. We notice how he weeps, he cries for his friend, he calls Lazarus his friend. How many gods call any of us a friend when we think of all the different gods um, that people worship, that people pray to? Jesus is a human and it's, it's scandalous that he calls us friend. But on top of that, that he cries. Completely insane that he has that compassion. Jesus, the all-powerful God who holds all things together, cried over the death of one man. So in this passage, there's a question that Mary and Martha bring up to him. Okay? And their question is, where were you when my brother died? And it's implied in those statements of, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother hadn't died. Now, usually when someone asks you the question, where were you, the answer is, well, I was doing something, or I was busy, or I was worried because if I had come, the Jews were going to stone me and, you know, kill me and that kind of thing, right? That, that's all what most people would answer. But you notice Jesus' two answers to them. Um, in verse 25, so Martha asks in verse 21, you know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus' answer to these questions, where were you, Jesus, is who, who am I? That's his answer. He's like, where was I? I am God. Where was I? I am the Messiah. Where was I? I am human, and therefore I'm going to come and bring life to all of this. So this passage um, is, is a special passage for me. Uh, I had read this passage as a kid growing up in church, listened to it many times, um, but a number of years ago, before, before we came here, I, uh, I was helping out at a youth group, and a pastor spoke through this passage. And that, that hit me hard. It hit me differently. I was having a hard time with some things in our life. Uh, me and Cammie both were. And he answered the question this way. He said, we all at some point will ask the question, where are you, God? whether it's something hard that we're going through, something difficult that we all have to live with, um, the fact that we live in a fallen world and hard things ha happen all the time. The answer to where are you, Jesus, is he's right here next to us. He's right in the pain with us. He's right in the hardship. He's right in the suffering. 
John 11.35 became my favorite passage, or my favorite Bible verse. Um, because I think it makes us take a second and look and say, you know what? Whatever the hard thing that we have going on is, Jesus knows exactly what it is. So here's my invitation for you today. If you have never answered that question, who are you, Jesus? I invite you to take a second right now and think about who he is. Jesus is a man who came as a baby, grew up, made it to the age of 33, and went to a cross and died for your sins. He died so that you could no longer be separated from God, but rather have a relationship with him. And on the third day, he rose again victoriously. And one day, Martha was right that Lazarus will be resurrected again. You know, we'll get to see Lazarus, which is kind of funny that she's like kind of right, but kind of wrong. But um, <clears throat> we will see Lazarus again when we are raised again to heaven. Now, some of you who are sitting here are like, well, Ian, I've heard this thing a thousand times, and Ian, you said this, you know, you've said this before, the question of who is Jesus. But I think the question of who is Jesus can redefine your life, should redefine your life. And as Christians, I think it's easy for us to say, well, I know who Jesus is. I know who he is. But how many of us let that truth transform who we are? This passage, this whole thing, Jesus doing this, all is to point to this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. And we need to take that to heart and have that be a central part of our lives. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we know that there are hard times ahead because we live in this fallen world and there's hard stuff. And then on top of that, you said that this world will hate me, so therefore will hate all of us, Lord. We ask that you would bless us as we go through hard times, as we try and figure hard things out. Help us to grasp on to the idea of who you are and what you have done for us, Lord. We thank you for the example of you raising Lazarus from the dead. Your proclamation even before you'd gone to the cross, that you are not just a man who can do some miracles. You are a man who is God, who has come to this world for one purpose, and that is the redemption of, of this world. I ask that you help us remember that, help us to not allow that to go away as we go through hard times, help us to, as we question Help us to always answer, ask that question, where are you, but always answer it with, you are God and you are right here next to us, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go, go knowing who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and that he is going through things with you. He knows who you are, what you're going through, and what you're feeling. You are dismissed.